What's up? I'm Day, and we're back, and it's podcast time. Sorry, I tried to do that in like one 15-second breath, but it didn't work. <laughs> we're back. It's Mariner's podcast. I clarified that last week. Mikey said we're not allowed to talk any other sports. But if you're here for Mariners, welcome. Or this White is, Sox. Or White Sox. Or, or, or White Sox, because we have Maliki with us. White Sox are, they're, I like the White Sox. Do you? I don't know why. The White Sox, I'm a big Andrew Vaughn fan. I'm okay. a believer. Yep, I support that. Same. I'm a, I'm a big uh, Eloy fan, of course. How can you not be? And and how can you not be a Tim Anderson fan? I mean, they just have like very likable players. All right, I already ruined the show. Welcome to episode <laughs> 74 we have Maliki from, or on Twitter, your Pine Tar Keyboard, Yes, right? yes, that is my Twitter name. I always forget. And you're on many different publications, outlets, baseball, yeah. homepages, places where you can learn a lot more about the game. Yeah. Baseball yeah. perspectives. Uh, Southside Sox and Pinstripe Alley are the other two main ones where you can find me on a regular basis. Okay, but what's your favorite place? Oh man, my my heart and soul is on the south side of Chicago. So you know, south side will always be will always be a bit of a home. But um, that's that's the passion project. Yeah. Well, we're here. We're we we have you on. Um, and Mikey, you're going to be very useful for this because there's a lot of rule changes for this upcoming season, and you know I. I think if you are a baseball writer or or you're in the universe of baseball and it's something that you're paying attention to year round, maybe you're prepared for this season. But I think, especially for the average fan, I think a lot of people are going to go to their first game or tune into their first game being like, what the hell am I watching? Do you, do you guys think it's, uh, it's going to take a while for even the fans to adjust to the new rules, the new game? Well... I think we know that Eno has said in the minor leagues uh, they were averaging about two infractions a game. And by week six, it was down to one. So based on the numbers, we're seeing about the same rates. Um, Luckily, there's spring training. So I think by the time we get into the season... I would say by a couple weeks in, it'll be down to one infraction a game. So I think that's the first thing is like players need to adjust first for fans to adjust. I think it's going to be a little weird. Um, I have mixed thoughts about it and I'm, I'm excited to hear what Maliki has to say about it. Cause he always has good takes. Uh, that is, I don't know. That's a take that I would also question, but uh, no, it's it's like you said, what Eno said, and pretty much everybody who followed the minor league uh, stuff last year has basically said the same thing, where like you'll get three or four weeks of having a bunch of infractions and everyone gets used to it. I, I really think if we're talking about like not us, you know, the casuals, the people who, like you said, maybe aren't quite so locked into the rule changes and knowing what's happening, I, I actually don't think it's going to make a ton of a difference, at least noticeably, because, you know, we obviously kind of get up in arms over the idea of an automatic ball or an automatic strike or whatever, um, because we know the game to be a certain way. And it's a very, very big change. But thinking about it, if you're someone who's just going to the park or has a game on TV, is this is something like that, that takes up, you know, an extra 10 seconds of your time, maybe is that any more of a big, I don't think that's any crazier than, you know, checking the player's belts as they walk off the mound or stopping to review a home run or a foul ball or, you know, a bunch of other uh, additions that have been made to gameplay and the pace of the game over the last however many years. And um, they're noticeable, obviously, but I think, I think there's, it's been a little overstated maybe in terms of how much the impact is going to be like for your average person watching the game. If anything, it'll be a good impact because they won't notice you know, they won't notice the 20 or 30 minutes they're losing. Um, I certainly haven't if I, you know, wasn't thinking about it, you know, super actively when I've been watching these games this last, uh, these last couple of days. I have a lot of questions. Uh, I'm sure y'all or Mikey, maybe you have a lot too, but I have a lot of questions around specifically the, the pitch clock 
even, you know, including questions around the clock off. I, I think we have a, a, a mailbag question where if we're actually calling it that or not, clock off, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but to, to get everybody used to this 15-second timer, I am proposing we play our first segment game, at least since, you know, I've become one of the co-hosts. And, you know, let's have some fun on the pod. We'll, we'll have a 15-second timer. We'll, we'll put a beep noise maybe in post, but for now, I'll just say time. And, and I'll ask you some rapid-fire questions, and you have 15 seconds to decide, yep, I'm buying that or I'm selling that, and make your case. I imagine it's going to be one person and then yeah. another person. Okay. Right. Yes, yes. And because it's 15 seconds, it's not long, we'll, we'll have uh, – you know, we'll switch on who goes first, but we'll, we'll right. give both of you a shot to, to to address the pitch. By the way, getting ready within eight seconds yeah. or by eight is seconds. Is that what it is? is that? You yes, have to be if like, you're not like staring you to, at the, the rest pitcher. Of the pitcher, I think is the, the phrase or something like that. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of wild. It, oh, man. It, I, ha- I have so many thoughts. I will we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll play this game. I have, I have so many thoughts around... Just like the catcher is going to be so important on on mm. gamifying this rule, I think. Catchers like Maldi. Just That's watch. a good point. I'm telling you right now. Okay. That is okay. a good point. Yeah. First, first 15 second question. 15 seconds to answer. And this is more of a like rapid fire. How many you know? It's a game competition between you two. Are you ready for this? Mikey, you first. Okay. <laughs> okay. You have to name players that were both Mariners and a White Sox. Uh, okay. 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 Oh. And so you guys will go back okay. and forth within 15 seconds, okay, to see who can name the most. You ready? All right. Mikey, you go first. Freddie Garcia. Fuck, that's who I was going to say. Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> ben Davis. Jeremy Reed. No, he never played for the Sox. Miguel, Miguel Olivo. We're just going to keep bringing that trade going back and forth. Fuck, I was going to go Miguel Olivo. Uh, 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 Eight seconds left. Travis Thor Or no, fuck. Something Thornton. Travis. <laughs> fuck. fuck. We are making up people here. <laughs> oh, Travis. Fuck. What is it? Uh, Matt Thornton. Fuck. I think I was going to Graveman, guys. Kendall Graveman. I told you to remember the name when it was brought up earlier. All right. This segment proved one thing the pitch clock's not going to work, guys. You can't do (laughs) shit in 15 seconds. 15 seconds is terrible. I'm going to be honest. Okay. I'm going to start off. I'm going to start off the the topic of pitch clock. I'm sure a lot of people are, are. Honestly, I, I'm a little overwhelmed by the discourse at this point. But I, it, I don't know. I'm a little worried. I understand that in the minors, it took some time to adjust. But I, well, I will say as a fan, I'm excited to do the countdown chants. <laughs> oh, I didn't oh, think about man. it. Did I. I mean, think about it. You just imagine the fans like counting down like early. Like they do like <laughs> just the <to> use <laughs> like you go to a high school game and you're counting down the shot yes. clock with like 8 seconds to yeah. go, you know. Yeah, except- 100%. 100%. You see that in college basketball? Yeah. Dude, you see that in NBA still, you know? Not so much in football, but I I, I just think we're not even prepared for what's to come with this sh- with this pitch clock thing. Malachi, it sounds like you're pretty like not even mixed, just feel pretty positively about the pitch clock yeah i'm i'm very positive of it uh, on the whole you know i'm not don't get me wrong i think there are bigger issues when it comes to why baseball has problems and why it has growth issues you know everyone always brings up um you know the blackouts are a big one the general level of accessibility both on the participatory level and also that it's really fucking expensive to go to a game those are all problems that should be solved and are going to have a bigger impact than this but um Yeah, I don't know. I grew up watching Mark Burley pitch, and I've spent the last three or four years watching Dylan pitch. Uh, And I'll tell you, as much as I love what Cease just did for us last year, I'll take Mark Burley 10 times out of 10. I love a good snappy baseball game where, you know, I I tend to really err towards the point that people are are making that we're not getting any less baseball. 
we're getting less pacing around the mound. We're getting less unstrapping and strapping in your batting gloves, that, that kind of thing. And maybe it'll be a little bit frenetic for the players at first, and you'll get these kind of weird, like anxious situations like we saw with, uh, you know, Joe Musgrove the other day where it's like catch thrown and almost kind of gets you a little bit worked up. But I think on the whole, once we're, once we stop seeing the violations after a little while, which by most accounts, it seems like we probably will. They're, they're professionals. They're good at what they do. They will adjust as much as they might make a stink about it. Um, I think two or three months from now, we're not really going to be thinking that much else other than, oh, the game is 25 minutes shorter than a year ago. You know, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what other um, what the final results are going to be. Yeah, I don't have a lot bad to say about it. Yeah, I I feel pretty definitely on the more positive side. Um, I have some numbers that are after Friday, Saturday, some numbers that are after the games today. Average games down to two hours and 36 minutes, which is a pretty, like, uniquely good outcome. Um, uh, without looking at the numbers, like, that's probably down to the best it's been since, like, the 70s or 80s. Because this is, you know, really has been a worsening problem just over time and has gotten exponentially worse. But I think the the most, because I, I personally have pitch clock and pace of play muted on twitter um i think the most annoying part about this is like i don't think there's ever gonna be a clock off you know uh walk off when um you know this is in the what that was a, the the second day that, that the rule was instituted i do worry a little bit like i've gotten pushback in the discord for this but i do worry in the in the later innings with the kind of strategic um with the step off rules paired with this, what implications that might have for, you know, base runners really just having kind of a, a free base later on. Um, and uh, like, does that increase the likelihood that there are box or whatever? Um, I don't like, I don't think that makes for better baseball. And I think the, 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 what is said is like, well, it's the same for both teams so why does it matter and it's i think that's kind of a silly point because it's like what if i made a really dumb rule that both teams had to play by like it you know so it it seems like it seems like we're gonna see a lot of what happened in the minor leagues i don't know there was a 27 second strikeout that max scherzer threw i don't know if that's that appealing to watch like it, it is and isn't um i i do worry about the game scooting by a little too fast uh especially as a fan um like in september or whatever like if you had to go to the bathroom or, or get food like you're gonna miss half the game like legit i'm so glad i went to the we went to the longest playoff game in history it was the last mariners game oh, <laughs> the 18 <funny. 18-inning. laughs> my brother my brother hated me so he wanted insane. to. He wanted to leave by the twelfth, and I don't know. I, that, that I don't. Know, I was probably too negative that day, but I knew we were gonna lose. Yeah, it's just like by the fifteenth inning when Macklemore yeah. came on, I was like, "Oh, it's dude, over. Yeah. it's so I mean, over." It, baseball games are just not fun after like the twelfth. Like they're just not. If you've been there the whole time, it, it gets to that point, and it's usually because there's a certain level of ineptitude that's happening. Like nobody, like score a yeah, fucking run, right. like someday. Like please, you get to that point, right? But um. Dude, it was torture. Eighteen innings. <laughs> I was at a, a similar game in like 2006 or something like that. But um, I, I will <clears throat> retract myself slightly, and I do agree when it comes to the base running rules and the you know the two pickoff max. I'm not a fan of that. I really don't like the idea that you know once you throw over for the second time, they can take an eight step lead or something like that. You know, I, I will, we have yet to see how that's going to play out. And I guess it, it's probably not going to be as crazy as maybe we're, we're imagining it to be. Cause you think about someone like John Lester, who famously could not pick off the first base, like literally could not had the yips throwing the ball from the mound to first place. And you had guys taking 20 foot leads on him in the NLC in the, you know, with the world series online. And he still had a great playoff run and the Cubs went on to win the world series. Yeah. You know, it's, one of those things that I, I don't like it, but it might not be as big of a deal as I'm, I'm hoping it's not as big of a deal as we're going to, you know, give it credit for. And um, I will say, so I think you're right also about the, 
you know, the game is going to fly by a little more. That is, I guess, I guess the point. And I try to remember when thinking about those conversations is that like, that's not really, this isn't really a rule that's for us. You know what I mean? I think, you know, most of my friends, my, my friends in Chicago here are not sports people. Um, and they come to games with me all the time. Uh, but usually like at my office, they don't really follow the team or the league or whatever. They're, they're there for the vibes. And there's something about when you're at a baseball game with someone who's not really a huge fan and you just look over and you can see their eyes starting to glaze over after like the 60th pitch of an inning that's taken 40 minutes and yeah. zero runs have been scored. And I think, I hope that's the kind of stuff that it's going to start to cut down a little bit where the idea being, if you have an inning that's lasting 25 minutes, it means it's because shit's happening. It's not because you're just walking the bases loaded and going three, two on everyone. And if, you know, if, if that means that I miss a beer or something like that, or I have to, you know, miss a little bit of action because you know how the lines at all these places are, whatever, you know, I, I, I might, I might take that. I don't know. Can I ask a clarifying question about the, the, the lead change, the lead rule change, sorry, mm-hmm. the pickoff rule. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, if you've picked off twice, you can't pick off again unless you, they're mm-hmm. out. You, yeah, you can throw a third time, but you got if you fuck up, it, yeah, you got to get him. It's a balk. Yeah. So yeah. you're you're just gonna see some insane leads if they got picked off twice. Yeah. And the only way the pitcher is gonna throw to first is if like he knows he can get him because if not, it's it's just as good as a steal, right? And I think base, I was trying to, I was just trying to kind of Twitter search. I think Tom Tango essentially said the, the, the extra, um, so making the bigger bases, it, 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 it makes it, uh, you know, a handful of inches mm-hmm. less than 90 feet, um, or however much it, you know, was before. Uh, that alone, I'm pretty sure I saw him say that it would get the stolen base, uh, success rate up to like 78%, which means that like, I mean, a lot of players, like, I I think the cutoff is 75%. If, if you can have a 75% success rate, you should go. Mm -hmm. Um, like, yeah, it's cool to, to, you know, encourage more more stolen bases more you know action but i don't know I, I don't know i just don't love all of these rule changes in concert i think that there is a way to baseball's do this. in trouble huh baseball's in trouble like there's a lot there's a lot going on there's a lot it's, it's like you know if, if anything else your favorite show maybe didn't have a great season you suddenly see like a brand new cast storylines different and you're just kind of like, okay, something wasn't working. You know, is is this a result of just like red alert? This is our this is our last chance because the, I, I'm telling you, like, I I think what what the discourse I haven't seen as much of that I'm a little surprised by is how much these rule changes are going to affect um, just strategy around the game. A little what I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, we we see that in football, their strategies are on the the clock the the shot uh the play clock and you know no huddle versus like you know, spiking the ball like you know we're gonna see catchers really have the ability to I I think they're gonna be able to gamify it a little bit unless they regulate it somehow but you know touch your shin guards a little bit adjust some stuff before throwing it back if the pitcher needs a little more time you know I I, I tweeted yesterday I mean I was mostly joking but why not just like whip a fucking fastball over the batter's head not hitting the batter hopefully but like just whipping <laughs> it this dude like ducks out of the box and boom catcher quick tosses it right back to the pitcher time starts you know it's just like i i how i just haven't seen a lot of like okay well uh stricter guardrails around how this rule is going to be implemented maybe maybe we go we we see as we go but I don't know. I think the smarter catchers are, are going to be uh, thinking about stuff like that, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I'd be surprised if it didn't have um, significant repercussions. Um, I mean, we've seen MLB, not, not only the, the balls, but um, that stupid-ass transfer rule. Like, 
I don't really remember the specifics, but apparently they they changed it the same year. I don't even remember because that was in like 2014. The Garcia um, rule. The uh, essentially like <laughs> they were on their NFL shit. Like, what is a catch? And they oh. basically said if you lose the ball on the transfer, it's not a catch, which is obviously very stupid. Um, so there's that. Also, I found the tweet, and it looks like uh, base runners are going to gain about four and a half inches, which should translate like that alone to a two percent increase in stolen base success. So, like, I don't know. I if it would have been like three throwovers and then the fourth you have to get them, like I would have been fine with that. But I just, I think that I th- I think it's going to make for some goofy. You can step off though, right? No. You cannot, um, no, unless I don't think so. You know, no, the, yeah. the White Sox uh, broadcast well, yesterday had a really good, uh, yeah, the White Sox broadcast yesterday had a really good graphic of like what counts as a step off or something like that. And if it's, um, like if the pitcher steps off or breaks their hands, like without the runner having moved first, basically, then it counts. Like you can't even, so even if, um, that's so like to, to your point, you know, if you have already thrown over once and you want to go through your signs again or something like that. You're about to pitch and you said, okay, I don't want to throw a fastball right here. You got to take that in consi- into, you know, into consideration. If you just don't feel like there's a lot of moments where um, pitchers would have probably taken a moment to step off and pause or talk to their catcher or get on the same page mm-hmm. or whatever and say like, okay, we're going to reset. We're going to do this. And now they're just going to kind of have to either rip it or burn that move. And, it's it does it really does seem like a lot. I really don't I don't want to be like very dismissive or anything because I understand why there is a lot of angst because these are bigger rule changes than anything we've seen, <clears throat> at least in my lifetime that I can really think of. You know, at least over the table, not counting ball shenanigans and that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. I'm that's I'm kind of looking forward to seeing the the potential chaos is the wrong word, but there like you said, there's going to be new ways of. Uh, gamifying this new you know subtle elements of strategy and gamesmanship that uh, are going to be new and different but you know five ten years from now maybe they'll just be another part of the game that we you know once again love and we don't even think about it so that's that's what i'm hoping we're, we're going to see out of this yeah i think where i kind of fall on on all this is that obviously like whatever we're talking about um whether it's baseball or or politics like you, you want to addressing set the root of the issue. And um, I feel like these things are going to do some of that. And I think maybe we probably should have always had some sort of pitch clock, uh, much in the way that like NBA didn't have a pitch clock for a, or a game clock for a while or play clock. But I think like the reason why the game's gotten longer is because there's more home runs there's more strikeouts and there's more walks none of those include any action so i i it feels like they're being the most aggressive on something that will probably will probably reduce some strikeouts because you just can't throw as hard you know uh like i think we'll see a cumulative effect league wide which i think is a good thing that'll give you know uh kind of tip the scales a little bit for hitters um but yeah i don't i don't think it totally addresses like i've always been a fan and i don't know how it look in practice but like lowering the mound you know less pitch movement um which would obviously have other repercussions not something i've talked to many people about and like thought super through but i just i have a hard time believing that this is like these are all the correct decisions or like good ones more or less willing to bring a date to a baseball game now. Actually, the king of of bringing dates to to baseball games is Malky. <laughs> and oh, just the fact that I don't even know what true? you could even be referencing here tells me I've told you too much already. But uh, it's funny that you say that though, because I use <laughs> like I use Dylan Cease as an example uh, counter to Mark Burley because I, I had a moment. A couple of years ago, this is before Seats had his big breakout, where I remember I was going on a date to a White Sox game. And I remember as we were walking across the viaduct or where we were almost there and I was like not hadn't really been locked into the game or, you know, who was pitching or whatever. And I realized he was pitching 
and I kind of had this pause and this moment of horror washed over me because I was like, oh my God, it's going to be three hours before the <laughs> inning is even over. Like, <laughs> and I like actually was like, oh God, please, like, oh, this is not going to, and it was turned out to be funny because he threw one of his best games of the year and we were in and out in about two and a half hours, which was great. Oh, damn. Uh, yeah, but so to answer the question, definitely more, definitely more, because that's what I mean. That's the worst when you're, especially if it's someone who's not super into baseball, you don't want to look over and they're like, can we get the yeah. here? Because all I've seen is like yeah. walks, two home runs and a bunch of, you know, <laughs> strikeouts. I think if you're going on a date with a fellow baseball fan, mm -hmm. the the longer kind of more posy you can talk about stuff. I mean, baseball's always been a like a social mm -hmm. outing right in my opinion compared to other sports but i definitely think if you're going on like especially like first dates casual dates maybe i don't have enough things to talk about dates this is definitely a good move for the you know the casual experience mikey met you know many loves at baseball games. <laughs> that's not true i i'm just I, I remember when Maliki told me that and I was like, you're a madman. Like you're, you are, it's like a movie except like you have to talk, you know, during it. Like I, I've, I've gone on a movie date and it was kind of weird. Cause it was just like, we're just sitting here for two hours and like watching scream. Um, but movie is not a good first date. No, it was movie a, is a idea. bad, bad, bad first. That date. was the weirdest date I've ever been on. How do you, how do you know if you had fun or not? Like, how do you know if you want to do it again? Well, exactly. <laughs> so you take a date to a game. They're learning all these new rules. Are you, Maliki, using the term clock off to your date? <laughs> no, man. Um, if it happens, if it happens, I will be up. There's no way. Screaming clock off. That's a clock off. I'd be like, do you see that? That's a clock off. <laughs> so in, that, in that circumstance, yes. Yes, I will. Okay. Otherwise, okay. I don't want to put... Otherwise, answers now <laughs> you don't get it it's the clock off yeah man okay mikey break down clock off for us once and for all what what are we talking about what what is a clock off i mean it's a it's it's either a three ball or two strike count but it's it's with so either you have the bases loaded and three balls or or you just have, you know, any base state and and two outs and, and two strikes and either the hitter or the pitcher takes too long and it's a walk off due to the clock running down. Hence clock off. I actually really quite enjoy the term. I hope to never see it ever again outside of that one spring training game. So clock off basically means it basically means a game was decided by the clock by the clock. I've, I have good and bad news, guys. The, the, the good news is the game we play in the beginning is warm-up. The bad news is we're going to play it real quick again right now and move on to our next topic, okay? This time, here are the rules. Here are the rules. I'm going to give you a rapid-fire topic. You have 15 seconds to answer. We're only going to have one of you answer each question, okay? No, I like this. All right. All right. So we're, not, we're not doing the back-and-forth thing, okay? So... We're getting used to just enjoying things in 15-second <laughs> segments, in the 15-second little bubbles, pods, okay? All right. Malik, you ready for yours? 15 seconds? Yep. Late on me. The Mariners saving $2 million from the arbitration hearings with Teoscar will ultimately lead them to missing any kind of re-signing extension, keeping him long-term. Go. Uh, yes, Teoscar Hernandez, if history holds up, will almost certainly not be playing for the Seattle Mariners this time next year, uh, just because players who go to arbitration with teams don't resign with those teams, as it turns out. I tease it a little. Mikey, let me know that you're working on a piece um, talking just about this. Can you name other examples on, on, on arbitration hearings kind of giving the player the short end of the stick and that leading to relationships in the future yeah you know one, one of the things that's interesting about it is that it's it's hard to say with any kind of certainty 
um, or I felt like it was what whether it did actually have a damaging effect because you hear about it, you know, when players like Corbin Burns or Ryan Thompson, you know, go off and talk about how they've been treated by by their teams in this process. Uh, most of the time, we think to ourselves, "Wow, like that really sucks." I would, you know, never want to work for these people again if my bosses did that to me. And most of the time, it's totally justified. Uh, and then we tend to not really think about it all all that much anymore. Um, but you kind of, you know go back through the recent history of players who have spoken out about their um, arbitration experiences outside of, um, uh, you know, Burns and uh, Ryan Thompson this year. I think Adrian Hauser had a similar experience with the, with Milwaukee, um, you know, Marcus Stroman and Max Fried have spoken about it extensively. Um, one of the more famous ones a few years ago, I think was uh, Dellen Batansis of the Yankees was very, very vocally uh, unhappy with some of the things that they said about him and his hearing. And, uh, you know, anecdotally, you look at it, it's like, okay, they signed somewhere else, they signed somewhere else, they signed somewhere else. And you think to yourself, okay, well, there's a lot of factors at play here. This one arbitration hearing probably didn't necessarily have to do a whole lot with it. And that might be true in any individual case. But when you actually break it down, uh, there's been exactly one player in the last 12 years who has signed a free agent contract with a team mm. they went to a hearing with one player and that was jt Realmuto, um who re-signed with the phillies after you know spending a long mm. enough time in free agency that made it seem like he might not have actually wanted to re-sign with the phillies yeah, if you remember he didn't he didn't sign until i think february of 2020 21 whenever it was um and other than him there hasn't been a single player the last 12 years uh that has hit free agency and then re-signed with that team. So, you know, and no player is going to go out there and say like, yeah, you know, this really did it for me. This really trashed our relationship and that's why I didn't re-sign. But the numbers don't really lie there either. I mean, you could have told, we could have told you it's not a good thing for their relationship, but it seems pretty, pretty destructive when you break it down over the course of a hundred cases. And it, it couldn't get any wilder unless that number was zero. And I, I will say that's sort of to, to cut you off there, I, to be technical, was there's JT Realmuto. There were two more. Um, Jared Weaver in 2011 signed an extension mm. with the Angels midseason, uh, the year, you know, six, eight months after he went to a hearing, whatever. So he had not actually reached free agency yet. And uh, Josh Tomlin, of all players, uh, played played out one year of his free agent years because he gave Cleveland a team option in his last pre-arb deal. And it was, you know, I, that, that hardly even counts. So those are, if you want to be technical with it, the number is three, but you know, point stands. Yeah. Right. And even yeah. with the JT situation, it took a lot of campaigning from his teammates. So it, the point is it's rare. And the point is, it, it doesn't look good for long-term plans. I mean, Mikey, I mean, what does that mean? It's, we didn't sign. The Mariners didn't sign a lot of players. Teoscar is a free agent after this year. It's it's up in the... I mean, if, if we keep him for any decent amount of time, I think the trade is more than worth it for what he's probably going to produce. But a one-and-done season? Eric Swanson, I think, because, again, like I wrote an article about it for BP, because of a splitter... I think is going to be a good reliever regardless of what happens to his fastball, which is very good. Maybe not, you know, maybe he won't be as good, but I think he'll be really good. Adam Machko is really interesting. Um, and I've heard, you know, mixed things about him, but to give up, you know, two, I think pretty compelling players for a year of Mitch Hanniger on steroids is, a. Uh, it's a weird trade. So I would be surprised if Teoscar didn't come back. And luckily I, I, I mean, there's an article that came out in the Seattle times about how he was pretty much unfazed. Um, he did break a record. He did. So I think we it is, about that last week. I think it is a little different. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens with Garrett Cole and Max. Well, we saw what happened with Garrett Cole. I meant we'll see what happens with Max Freed because he's the other one who previously tied the record before, like this year before Teoscar. Um, so I am somewhat optimistic that he'll resign because of that. But also, you know, based on the numbers, I, I think it's 
it's also hard to make the uh, the argument and feel good about it. Um, Aaron Vladimir Empire did uh, ask a question, which was, at what length and you know dollar value would a Teoscar extension make sense? Reasons to fade, late bloomer, poor plate skills, or not uh, exit velocity. These are in parentheses based on how different scales often age. Um, one of my pals is working on basically, basically it was like physical skills for like, he called it like skill based versus like physical maybe. And I, I, I would love to see how Teoscar falls on one of those kind of plots, because I think it's a really good way of looking at aging um i have to imagine he i think it's and this is not even really based on like numbers like uh, research but i think and being a late bloomer and having the you know the the crazy exit velos and like still really good sprint speed and everything and arm strength um i mean we've seen guys like that age pretty well uh nelson cruz did get popped for peds but he played pretty well into his age 40 season um i'll have to look up some comps but i i, I think as a hitter um i would think that he he ages as well as as anyone you know who he reminds me a lot of I might piss off Malachi. <laughs> a little bit of Eloy, a little bit. I I think I think if both were like completely he- healthy, I I think Teoscar probably runs a little bit more. Um, Eloy mm. probably has a lot more or a little more natural. Po- I don't know. Maybe that's debatable too. But I mean, how should the Mariners value Teoscar, Malachi, with uh, maybe similar players on your team, at least player comps. Yeah, I think Eloy's probably got a little more a little more raw pop. He's just he's a tank, um, but he also has not been healthy. And you know, Teoscar runs better. Is probably a better fielder. Definitely has a better arm. Uh, I, I mean, I I'm a huge fan of his, and I have been pretty much since he was a prospect for Houston. <laughs> I've just always loved the way he hits the ball. Um, <laughs> to put it crudely, but uh, I, I have I wonder if there's like a kind of a gap in terms of what Teoscar is probably asking for and thinking of himself as being worth as far as what you're going to sign away your agent years for, you know, he's like, okay, I'm a guy who has been what, like a 130 WRC plus hitter for four, three, four or five straight years now, pretty healthy, um, moves pretty well in consistent building. You know, you're going to put a high value on that you know, those are the results. They are what they are. I would pay a lot. I think they should pay him, obviously. I think, you you know, but especially knowing how Jerry DePoto and the Mariners front office tends to operate, it wouldn't surprise me if there was a dynamic where they're seeing as like, okay, yes, you were a 130 WRC plus hitter for the past four years. And you're also about to be a 30 year old corner outfielder whose speed is going to be diminishing and doesn't have a great glove to begin with. So, mm. you know, all these things might be true, but we're just going to lowball you on an extent because the models and, um, and you know, the player, type, the precedent all says that, okay, maybe this is not the type of player who you, you know, pay sticker price face value kind of pay for past performance. Like you would with a premier free agent in, in past years. I just feel like, I mean, I can't say what those conversations are, but I can imagine that's why a player like him ends up going mm-hmm. to arbitration, you know, why you can't settle a million or $2 million differences. Cause you're setting precedence for extensions. You're setting precedence for all. So, I mean, he's a great player, but um, I can see why a spend thrifty team. That's like really looking for reasons to not pay players. As it, I you feel know. like he gets something like he's not a dissimilar player. And I, I do think he's probably a, a tick below especially Schwarber, but I think he gets something like a Schwarber Castellanos contract, which I'm trying to remember. Um, I think he's, 
a kind of similar player to Castellanos. Um, I would rather, I think, have Teoscar. I just want to cut you off. I want to say you're a year too late, though, because if you're a player who's like Castellanos or Schwarber or something, you're in that tier like Teoscar mm. is, you're looking at the fact that Brandon Nimmo just got 160 million. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with the, what do they call it? That, you know, the board that they're fucking creating to stifle Steve Cohen. Um, oh, but like. God. I think it's probably something in between three, probably more like four or five years. I think it's probably like a five-year deal and at least 15 per, topping out at like 20. It's a pretty wide range. I, If I had it like, uh, well, I almost used a bad idiom. I, I would say like 18 per over five years, which works out to 90 mil over... Five years yeah how much of it is determined on kellenix and even cooper's performance i think you can fit a teoster and you and i i think the hope is actually that you develop one of them and it slides him out from someone who plays right field most days to a guy that dhs a lot of the time even if you're paying him a lot i'm mostly asking these questions because you think there's room for all of them but we've often i mean correct me if i'm wrong mikey but in my opinion there's been a a lot of justification um, towards not signing free agents, extending players yeah. because of in the, in the name of young talent, you know, and yeah. I, I could see a hot start from Jared and, uh, you know, impacting some, some talks with, with, with spending in other ways. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm desperate to get to the point where they have, they have guys down in AAA that can probably help something that looks like a, I don't know, like an Andrew Vaughn a couple years ago, but like can't really give ABs to. And I think they're not that far off. I actually think this also, uh, <laughs> LOL, you can't really have a good segue without saying something about it. I feel like it, it does segue into Jared Koenig just hit two dingers today. Um, Get big, baby. Both right over the, the right center field. Fence, which comes, this comes a week after we talked to Esty, who's actually really good homies with uh, Malky. Um, 107 and 113 mile per hour EVs. And he also had a line out today that was 112 miles per hour. So, like, against a left handed pitcher. So, we know he's not, you know, we've always known he's not like devoid of raw power, but I think he's really timing it up better now. And I think, you know, the, the kind of mechanical conversations that we had last week are going to pay dividends like we'll still see about you know breaking pitches and everything but he's quoted as saying like he didn't want to make a too big of a deal of today and just said biggest takeaway is that he won every pitch and swung at hittable pitches and didn't chase out of the zone so i think i think that there there are a lot of kind of coinciding spring training storylines so i i threw a bunch under kind of our our third segments and i think i'll just kind of run through them and if any you know sound it's kind of just an update but really if any sound particularly interesting like we can talk about them you know um, i'm gonna stop you after the first one baby <laughs> colton wong looks like Yo. he's gonna be the leadoff guy against right-handed pitchers Hell yeah uh, <laughs> um which i think is a good move i i i actually don't have his um <clears throat> i'll have to pull up his last year's splits against right-handed pitchers but uh i mean he he gets on base relatively well and i have to imagine that he did really well against um righties and it looks like uh 357 obp he's pretty not great against lefties which is why we have dylan moore um that's that's pretty good and that's i think it's really exciting to have a, a table setter like wong to to have um in front of Julio and Ty France and Suarez and uh, and Teoscar, so um, that's exciting. Uh, Cal- you know it's okay. It's okay. You know, it's he can't hit lefties, but when it's Giants Mariners World Series and it's Wong Brothers versus Rogers Brothers, he'll just have he'll just have to hit Tyler, Ooh. and Dylan will hit Taylor, baby. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're gonna. That's that's my prediction. I disrespected the Rogers twins because I forgot there was another pair of 
brothers on the same team. This is a historic oh, season, yeah. guys. We have the Wongs on the Mariners and the Rogers on the Giants. Bro, that's twins too. Yeah, they're twins. I think, and they saw their their voice twins too. Is uh, is Colton's brother gonna make the team? Uh, this podcast is the number one. It's the it's the Keen it's Wong pretty, pretty fan club guy, podcast. Okay, it used to be the Paul Seawald fan club podcast, <laughs> and now we've added Keen Wong to the. I list. can't say anything. Yeah, yeah, we like Keen Wong. We love Keen Wong. We love Keen Wong, if you're listening, you're probably not listening, but if you're listening, you're invited anytime. First guess. We love Keen Wong. Okay, that's cool. So, okay, Colton's leading off against righties. Dylan's probably got lefties. Yeah, and even, that's yeah. that's going to be a compelling, uh, I think, platoon at second base. Um, it looks like Cal Raleigh's still getting held back. Uh, going to be catching, I think, a, a bullpens or something like that. Whatever. Casey Sadler threw a bullpen that went great. That's exciting. Uh, if we don't remember, because he was gone last year, very compelling team shifted weight guy that creates a lot of weak contact, strikes out a decent amount of guys. Marco apparently shed some weight and added a slider. I, I mean, after watching him yesterday, was Marco a big dude? Best shape no. Shed some weight. What does I, that mean? I don't know, dude. Uh, George Kirby <laughs> is working on uh, the splitty and bullpens, which is really exciting to me. Split change. Um, from what I heard, Robbie Ray threw one splitter in his start, and then uh, Prelender Baroa. No, no, uh, no, no, no splitter, real. Robbie. Don't do it, Robbie. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the updates. Um, I think I, I I think we'll we'll probably cover them over time. So uh, if we want to talk, I don't. Day, I don't know if you saw this, but I, I wanted to briefly talk about this traject arc. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Is that really how you spell it? Yes. It looks traject like with it looks like some like Warcraft nerd stuff, but it's 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 a hitting machine. And I think it's similar to <clears throat> I'm trying to remember. I think Brandon Crawford and Evan Longoria and maybe another old dude started hitting for the Giants in 2021, if I remember correctly. Um, I think a lot of what they did, I mean, part of it is matchups. They do a really good job of matching swing plane to um, approach angles from pitchers, but uh, they were training a lot on machines that were using like breaking pitches. I think this is a similar thing, um, except this actually, like, if you go to their website, it shows you're literally... How much does one cost? Probably a lot. You're looking at, like, a legitimate pitcher, and it's it's dialed into their specific traits down to, like, spin, release, you know, um, uh, all of it. This is sick. Yo... There was something similar in K-Town in L.A. 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as advanced, but it did have, like, a video of a pitcher and the hole where the ball came out was, like, where, like, his hand. Oh, shit, really? I'm telling you, whoever Traject is, it's probably Jerry Kellenick's dad. You got to give K-Town credit, man. You got to give K-Town credit because I've seen this, like, obviously, this is very advanced. I'm looking at it right now. We should buy one and open a batting cage. Must credit K-Town. Uh, maybe with your money, but, um, (laughs) they installed it last summer during the all-star break. I think it could be a really good way of training on a Garrett Cole fastball, a Dylan C slider. Um, actually they, it's fucking interesting with hitters, like to be able to see pitchers that you're matching up against in upcoming games, they actually had Andres Munoz stand in against himself just to kind of show like this is how your stuff is coming in. And I think that's a fascinating way to utilize this tech. So I don't know, probably something we'll hear about over time. I think it's something to kind of bookmark and, and come back to later, but I think it's really fascinating. And and we've talked about a lot on this pod about how hitting legs behind pitching tech. I think this is something that like you could really see next summer or, or next off season um, or even as soon as the summer after a couple months, like you could see the athletic writing an article about the Mariners and how they used pitching tech to finally have one of their best, you know, hitting seasons since 2001 or something like that. 
or you could see it being nothing. But I think it's really fascinating. So um, imagine when they just simulate like using AI, like exactly what a seven inning game from Scherzer would be like, and you're just basically playing Scherzer the day before. That's kind of what they're doing. I mean, I think a lot of guys aren't in there taking hacks. They're kind of just like looking at what it is. Yeah. And that's, that's what pitching is, is yeah. Like, will it throw at you? I think it can, but it's, (laughs) it's, um, it's what makes pitching hard is you expect something and the ball moves differently than you expect. If you, if you've seen it more, like, you know, we, we know the third time through the order penalty, like, I think he can really mitigate it. So it won't tell me how much it is. That that's how I know it's really expensive. <laughs> because there's no price. You ever been to a restaurant or you looked up a place and they didn't have prices and you oh, know it'll yeah. say market price. Yeah. Oh MP, you're screwed, yeah. dude. MP, get out. <laughs> yeah. I will never order something that's market price. Well, I know it's really expensive when there's a whole headline that says Mets buy pitching machine I mean, for players. There's like a very limited clientele here. Very, very limited clientele. Yeah, it's... You gotta shoot. You gotta you gotta you gotta price accordingly. I, I think we know I'm looking at the time. We need oh, to wrap. Wait, wait. Oh, we got one more thing. We gotta hear people were wanting to hear about the sweeper. What's a sweeper versus slider? And they do want a long-form explanation of it. So, uh, Okay, okay. We'll end with that question. And that question was um, asked by Patrick Leary, right? Indeed, yeah. So we want to talk about sweeper versus slider. Uh, fascinated to hear a long-form explanation of that. So I, I can kind of kind of start us off. Um, Malachi can, can tighten it up because Malachi pitched. Um, <clears throat> essentially... Um, I would say most so most sliders have uh a mix of um gyro spin. So, you know, spinning like a uh a washing machine or a bullet or and sorry, um uh transverse spin. So spinning like a Garrett Cole fastball. Uh it kind of spins a lot of them are are kind of in the middle. And so <clears throat> Generally speaking, a slider is, let's say you have 50% spin efficiency. Uh, that means that 50% of, of your, 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 your spin is going towards the movement of the ball. And that means oftentimes that it's moving to your glove side. You know, the, the, the seam orientation can be different, but most sliders, you know, drop a, a fair amount because of because of the gyro spin. So, you know, it's kind of just pushing through the air and falling. Uh, trying to think. I mean, without without the forces of gravity, a, a gyro spin wouldn't move at all. So it's kind of pushing through the air. And then the Magnus movement is helping it move glove side. With... And I do that kind of just to start to explain Magnus and and non-Magnus movement. What we're seeing with sweepers, and and this is something that has been happening with pitches since forever, we just haven't had a way of describing it until now, is... And I've actually had a talk with um, Alan Nathan, the POB guy, uh, and if he heard this, he would probably send me a very choicely worded email. Um... But what seam shifted wake is is essentially creating um, like asymmetry of wake on either side of the ball. Air movement, yeah, yeah wake, like the flow of air on either side. Right, and so with the sweeper, you're getting all the kind of normal movement of a slider. But what's happening differently is that at some moment during the pitch's flight because of the orientation of the swim seams not swims it creates that asymmetry and causes non-magnus movement which means movement that doesn't have to do with the spin of the ball at least like you know the way that it is you know moving with like magnus movement um and with sweepers causes it to turn left like big time and so Malachi, you'll 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 clean up some of that, but I, I think I think generally speaking, 
because that's more kind of the long form explanation. The the big difference between a slider and a sweeper is that a slider is the umbrella term. So a slider can be anything from a a, a bullet slider like you see with or a gyro slider like you see with uh, Luis Castillo to a Paul Seawald sweeper. And a sweeper is a very specific type of slider that has big time horizontal movement. It's often pretty firm. So I think there are different ways that they're categorized, but I would say they're usually like 77 miles per hour anywhere to like a Matt Brash sweeper. That's almost 90. And they also have a ton of ride. So it doesn't have that, that two plane movement where it's sweeping and it's, it's getting, it has depth. It's actually kind of a, a frisbee and resisting some of that falling depth. So that's that's my. We're, we're still specifically talking about the two pitches, right? Yeah, sweeper just... slider. We're not talking about gyro. We're not talking about cutters. Yeah, and like I mean, cutters are, you know, make it confusing too. Um, and and w- like we should also say that like pitch classification to an extent is kind of nonsense too. But really, f- there are just like a couple. I think there's a two seam and a four seam sweeper grip that I've seen. Um, and uh, I, a lot of guys will just take their middle finger and, and they're kind of wrapped around the the horseshoe. Um, that creates that kind of weird seam orientation that you know, causes that non-Magnus extra movement. So that's, that's, that's kind of my explanation. And and the reason why it's good is a, it moves a lot and is firm and B it moves a lot differently than you'd expect based on its release traits. So that is my explanation. Malky, you got any, you got any, you got anything there? No, that was pretty good. I, I mean, I personally, I really am not a fan of how they're rolling out the new <laughs> new pitch types on Savant and all yeah. that stuff. I think it's just adding a lot of unnecessarily unnecessary confusion. Mm-hmm. I think the dis- I think the distinction you made is the most important distinction to make is the one where you say that the sweeper is really like a subtype of slider. They're not really they're not really two different pitches. It's like I mean, like you said, because it's all spin on the spectrum. It's like a cutter and a four seamer and a slider are all like spinning the same way just angled slightly differently it's all it's all it's all on the spectrum the the simplest way that i can think of it is that if you think of a slider like you said there are different types of sliders you can have one that goes down a lot with not a lot of side to side you can have one that goes side to side a lot without a lot of up down you have one that's you know in between ideally a lot of the times what you want is that's the two plane movement Mm -hmm. that gets side to side and up down Mm -hmm. and the sweeper is basically and this is a gross oversimplification. Your, your, your technical explanation was much better, but you're taking a slider that's already got some depth to it, or ideally a decent amount of side to side, and you're adjusting the grip so that you're catching the seam, basically like you, your whole explanation with seam shifted wake was great and all that stuff. And you're taking, you're taking a pitch that already has some side to side and you're just adjusting your grip in a certain way that it's spinning a little bit differently and catching a lot more side to side movement. It doesn't necessarily change like the underlying, like the base profile of the pitch a ton. Um, that like makes sense. Uh, but yeah, think about it as a slider that is just supercharged to get more side to side with a small, sometimes big, I guess, but with, with a grip release adjustment, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, uh, I don't know. Think of how you might say, um, yeah, the difference between like a slurve and a twelve six or something like that. You know, it's both a curveball. You yeah. say you say Zach Greinke has a curveball and Garrett Cole has a curveball, but you know, Zach Greinke's throwing a sixty nine mile an hour lollipop, and <laughs> Cole is throwing a you know darting knuckle curve that yeah, bending that's actually a good analogy. Um, now, so. Yeah, and I I think a lot of the reason why God, it creates. <laughs> I think a big reason why it creates such weak contact is uh, you're, you're essentially trading depth for sweep, but in trading some of that depth, it's also riding a lot. Your, your sweeper is riding like a fastball. And so hitters will get under it um, oftentimes, or, you know, sometimes they'll hit over it just because it moves so much. Um, but I, I actually kind of like the the movement towards, and I don't mean pitch movement, 
I know that a lot of people are starting to describe pitches different, and this is getting into a whole other thing that actually we should talk about on our potentially forthcoming podcast, Malky. Uh, to be named later. Yeah, um, where people will describe like a fastball as rather than a two seam versus four seam, it's like a riser versus a runner versus a sinker, you know, um, versus like a cut fastball. Um, I think there are better ways to describe things than these you know the ways that we've done it before we really understood a lot of this stuff so um yeah i think it's a, a an interesting conversation to be had that that hopefully we can continue to kind of tighten up and i'm by no means an expert um but can try my best to <laughs> Hurry up and throw the ball, baby. <laughs> it's over. It's over. Thanks for listening. We've gone too long. We have a violation. <laughs> <laughs>